Sweet Tooth Witch is a really weird common because like, didn't they have basically exactly the same common in Eldraine? No, this one's different because that one made you lose three life and it was only a one three. <laughs> it Yes, but like, like, you know, it's just a different version of it in the design file as the tweaking. Like, it's the same card, yeah. right? <laughs> it's a Warpath Ghoul, so it's a lot better. Yeah, that's... I mean, the other one was actually pretty good, though, because you made so many well, foods that's the, in that format. Well, yeah, that's because the format was really slow. Yeah. And it was a tap ability, I think. Kindly Witch, is that the name of it? It was, yeah. I played a lot of Eldraine Limited, and I don't remember it very well, but I do remember being extremely sick at one point and just drafting all day in arena. <laughs> uh, That was before, like, the arena algorithm was, like, fixed, so we... I think at the end of my sickness, you could just force the Merfolk Seeker Keeper deck and nothing could stop you. That was still when you were drafting with bots. Yeah. I've like kind of blanked that from my mind. Like I've completely forgotten that that was a thing that that was the only way to draft for a significant amount of time. Uh, All the way until I don't actually know when they fixed it. Was it a Coria the first one they did or was it earlier than that? I don't. I, I, I told you I've. It could have been Theros, and I, I just drafted it. Theros once, and I just didn't like it, so I didn't draft it further. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was this the Affinity deck you were playing? Yeah, the one from... Yeah, it was cool, but, you know, after three matches with it, I've had plenty of Affinity to... I need to try playing it, because I don't see it listed. Oh, it's in Tacoma. Yes, it was from the MXP thing. I don't, what does MXP stand for? Does anybody know that? Mixp. Ah, of course. <laughs> modern experience mm, i don't think so <laughs> i think we've lost the thread i think that's already very much not it there are no words that start with x <laughs> that's the thing i don't know where we're going after after you know various m words more xenophobia please that is a phrase that that could be an acronym for that's true Anyway, I'm going back to looking at this affinity deck instead of staring at the letters MXP. <laughs> Wait, why did you think this deck was sweet? I don't know. I just would, like, if affinity was good, then that's that would be worth trying out. But then it wasn't good. Just making constructs is not a good enough thing in modern. No. This is kind of what I imagine an affinity deck would look like if, like, all the Modern Horizons cards get banned before Modern Horizons 2 comes out. And it's like Heliod and blah, 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 <laughs> and Prowess, because all the like Hogak and stuff is in band. And then I think this that deck would be good in that format, because you actually have Thought Monitor and all that stuff, and a <laughs> Warrior Might, but he, it doesn't exist in today's space. But then ultimately, the question, I think, is once you have four Urzas in your deck, how, how did you not, like... Like, if you believe that four Urza is a playable thing to do with your deck, how are you not also doing, like... Thopter sword with your deck because it's pretty clunky like yeah. the the affinity cards are bad but they aren't clunky you get to play them all right but they Except don't they don't do anything yep. is the problem i mean at least they're in play when you lose <laughs> Welcome to episode 305 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. 
Hi, Chris. How How's are it you? going? Oh, I'm I, doing great. Thank I asked for first. <laughs> I mean, I answered. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Immediately, you too. I'm also good. Had a nice day. Excited to talk about, mostly excited to talk about new cards, but we do have some some modern stuff to talk through first, which is the, like, you know, interesting stuff. I had a really hectic day today, but it was punctuated by like some magic news here and there that I thought was really cool. I like the Eldraine stuff. Mm-hmm. Eldraine's one of my favorite planes that they've gone to. And also, I don't know, I got home and I was like, yeah, I don't have to work anymore. I get to talk with Chris. I get to talk about magic and we'll, we'll it'll be great. Yes, I'm I'm really pumped, especially because like new Eldraine cards. I, I love Eldraine cards. I have seen approximately 20 cards from this set and I can already tell it's done the enchantment theme better than the four Theros sets. <laughs> yeah, well, not the highest bar, I guess. Those are not always the most impressive enchantment-wise. The bestow mechanic, though. Ooh. A fine limited mechanic. What's that 1GG42 Flash Seder? That card was, like, cute. Oh, Boon Seder? Yeah. Yeah, Boon Seder. <laughs> it's the only one I remember being, like, remotely slightly competitive. Yeah. At least mutate just you know spawns like the weirdest decks you've ever seen that are that have like very cool play patterns. God bless CFT suck. Yes, Mama Lorenzo says becoming a return guy, but only for Opal in Affinity, which is I. This is a great idea for a gimmick account, right? Like a Twitter account that is like a Greek statue profile, and then it's just like all the posts are like, look at what they took from you, and then it's just like <laughs> Phoenix with Faithless Looting, like Urza deck with Mox Opal, you know, some Dread Return deck or something like that, just posting like images of decks with cards banned out from under them. You should have to find a deck that would actually play Bridge from Below. I think that's what would make it really like pushed over the top. Imagine if you could play this band card in this deck, like Glimpse of Nature and Elves. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, look at what they took from you would be like posting brews in current modern of like a deck Ooh. plus a a band card or something like that. Like, look what they took from you. The possibility of this neat deck that would be a lot more work than this gimmick account. I think bears putting into. I mean, I mean, for one week you could just like have your card be crawl mocks and just put it in every existing deck yes that's true <laughs> <laughs> your camera's gone black i can't see you i know i i had a solution for this i honestly i'm just gonna buy a new camera i like spent some time hooking up my dslr which you know my image is is nice but my stupid camera like turns itself off after 30 minutes of the feed being on activity and so my hack together solution of like rubber banding the shutter button down doesn't work super well. So, you know, we it is what it is. I'm probably going to buy a new mirrorless camera soon. It's like a, a kindergarten solution for some modern problems. <laughs> Mod- yes. <laughs> but as far as uh, modern problems that require modern solutions go, we do have a couple of tournaments to look at. We wow, have, look at that segue. Yeah, there we go. MXP Tacoma, there was a modern 20k there. And we also had the showcase challenge on Magic Online this weekend, which is probably like the place you should look for the most serious, you know, 330 person tournament that you had to qualify for with QPs and people take it seriously and 
you know, the, the players who do well played well and played good decks. So that that's the most serious tournament of what was actually like a pretty busy weekend. I was flipping through like a lot of coverage for, you know, I was streaming on Sunday and mostly just watched coverage of the three tournaments that had <laughs> coverage over the weekend. So that was really nice. Yeah, it's always nice when you get to like just hang out and watch. I, I think I hung out on Saturday some mm-hmm. when, when there were some tournaments going on. Uh, and it was cool. I, I also like that the, the showcase challenges are the best like yeah. the, for all the reasons you stated. But that doesn't mean they're immune to just like good players playing their pet decks, which is what I enjoy about it. Like in 14th, you have the food deck Lonus combo and then you have uh, Susurus playing just straight up power conduit core tapper. Prison Mike is back. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really enjoy Magic Online because you do get that really high bar of like caliber of player mm-hmm. and also an equally high caliber of player who are just trying their best to do their own thing. <laughs> well, and it also is kind of a free roll tournament. Like you're not even paying any ticks to play in this like you are with the challenge. Like you just have your QPs that come from playing other stuff. So sometimes if, you know, I think players just can justify playing whatever they they will have fun playing in the showcase because it is just a free roll. I, I have been really enjoying the evolution of, and maybe we can talk about this later, the, like the Heli- the new Heliod decks where they get to play Rosie and Scurvy Oak and like Kayla's Reconstruction mm, is sure. the like glue card. Uh, I've been seeing a few deck lists with that. One got in 28th here. And, and, and it, I'm just curious to see where this can go in the format because i know one player on twitter and i don't know if it's this person who played it in the showcase i don't remember their name uh, i know they've been really high on it it's just like kind of their pet and they've been doing pretty well with it over time uh, so it's kind of on my radar because of that kayla's reconstruction just as like the fifth copy of collected company oh it's gone we've gone down in copies i remember there was a bu- uh, previously a bunch more and fewer scurry oaks interesting yeah a full playset of scurry oaks but you know it has kind of multiple like you know you can put together the combo with heliod and an oriac champion or scurry oak plus rosy cotton and and with that that number of combos of actually killing your opponent you don't have to spend too long at infinite life hoping to not get killed by your opponents like three furies or whatever yeah you just make infinite squirrels you're good to go yeah kind of sick or 500 squirrels or whatever um as far as the like main metagame goes i think pretty clear modern is still completely defined by the existence and heavy presence and high quality of rakdos scam in the top 32 here of the showcase challenge it was you know had the highest representation there were seven copies of the top 32 and i think probably a lot more in the rest of the tournament and so the main deck that we know has a decent matchup against scam was also very heavily played there were six copies of rhinos in the top 32 here yeah rhinos is kind of claimed to fame because it, it fell off really hard uh when everyone was playing all the one ring decks right mm-hmm. and then once people realized you could still just scam people and kill all the one ring decks pretty easily <laughs> scam was everywhere so rhinos could come up and just beat the scam decks now and that's kind of the place it's at like where you don't have to worry about all the bad matchups you used to have because they also got pushed out yeah, uh, and I, I think that it's pretty clear, like, Rhinos is just a deck that people have been talking about as a primary choice for the past, you know, since the Pro Tour, and 
it it does the thing where from very few resources you can create enough stuff to keep up with scam it costs three mana to cascade into rhinos and two four fours is like the only way to deal with that effectively is to like scam a fury into play but hopefully you've had forced them to trade resources with you enough that that commitment isn't really available to them so yeah, i think dothy voidwalker is one yeah. of the most important cards in the matchup because it's so hard to like deal with the crashing footfalls mm-hmm. unless you can cast your own for sure kind of the only way to just like cleanly trade one for one with it and one of the cards the newer cards have been impressed with in the new versions of rhinos is flame of anor that's the like charm that's like if you have a wizard you can ke- pick two modes mm-hmm. uh, that card has actually really impressed me i thought it was kind of a good sideboard card but as i've played against it more and more i think it's just a really good card in this deck and it uses mutavault to activate the wizard function yes. of the card <laughs> uh, so the modes are draw two, destroy an artifact or deal five to a creature and all of those are good in different matchups and sometimes it, well drawing two is always good but <laughs> well and hopefully all of those are important in the scam matchup too so it becomes just a really good sideboard card in that matchup because like split card of kill chalice kill a fury with a, a plus one plus one counter on it and then like fail case of draw two cards is like a really good sideboard card that's just never dead it's also a lot better against artifacts than your previous force of negation force of vigor which sounds really weird because one of them costs three mana the other one's free but rhinos never really played that many green cards that you were could ever really pitch right because you have to cast all like cascaders so yeah your sideboard was always just a bunch of endurances and force of figures and i guess the plan was just to pitch your endurances and force of figures to each other in the matchups they were important because your other green cards were just too important to pitch away yep uh, but with flame of anor if your opponent just puts a chalice in play or puts an explosives in play you can actually just kill it if you have mutable you get to draw two cards for your trouble and then keep going rhinos is also a deck that often hard casts its force of vigors because you only have so many things to spend mana on and you know you trade resources off pretty quickly and then you just after making rhinos or whatever or if it, if it's just a chalice but when it's just one artifact in play force of vigor is not the ideal thing for killing it if it's just one chalice then that's not the most exciting thing to be doing force of vigor mostly is like the most impressive card in the world against hammer and then it's fine in other spots I'm also interested in, so in case you didn't know, there's like Questing Beast in a in a bunch of these Rhino decks. Mm-hmm. I think Kai played two in his main deck for the Pro Tour. Uh, and that is a concession to the One Ring. Like Rhinos has a really hard time dealing with the One Ring decks. And what's happening now, like post Pro Tour, we're a few weeks out. People are either putting the Questing Beasts in their sideboard because the play of the One Ring decks has waned considerably. Or they're just cutting them all together. And it'll be really interesting when the metagame comebacks comes back around and people do start playing uh, their their rings it again. Yeah, and I think that we do have a little bit of a separation of metagames. The Magic Online metagame feels a little more influenced by the Pro Tour results and a little more like it follows from those. Whereas like the paper stuff that we saw this weekend, including this MXP 20K, you know, like four color was everywhere. Which, you know, four color can be built to be good against scam and to be good against rhinos. And so, you know, it can be kind of leveling things that way. But it's only like a lit, you know, you can build it so that it's pretty favored against scam. But then you do have all of these other weaknesses like to Tron and to just 
<sighs> lots of stuff in the format. So one of my anecdotal but yet to be disproven theories about paper play, uh, four color especially, is that it's just the new Jund. People just own this deck and it's frequently foiled out or fancy in some way. Yeah. And people just play it every chance they get. Like even if they know it's objectively a subpar choice, which I think for a while now it has been a few weeks, they're just going to play it anyway because they enjoy the play patterns, they have all the cards, and they're not going to like sell their sell their soul for scam or something sure uh mason clark played the nrg uh very noted four color player did actually ditch the four color cards to play scam scam yep recognizing as just a better deck and he wanted to win instead of playing like the pet cards he likes and i don't think a lot of people ever do that yeah and so if mason is not playing four color then i would recommend that you know you not play four color it was pretty successful in seattle though and for whatever reason you know it it did pretty well multiple copies in the top eight uh watching that tournament i was not the most impressed with the quality of like deck building and play on on display generally it's actually like a a funny tournament or a funny weekend for coverage because it the coverage really was of some like several relatively low stakes tournaments and so got to see a lot of like not the most serious magic the gathering you've ever seen in your entire life hey i've watched several wizards like covered grand prix that have just kind of ended up that way Mm -hmm. where it's in like kind of a remote location not very many pros go so it's just like the people who are showing up not to take anything away from players it's just like you can tell when there's a, a drop in quality, yeah. like especially if you watched the pro tour a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and 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 certainly like my dials are calibrated are like miscalibrated from watching the pro tour and like what my expectations for deck building choices and and like in game decision making is. I I wouldn't be playing that well if I were on coverage right now, and I can't really expect most people to be doing that. But it's very easy to watch and judge, and that's why we have a podcast. Yep, yep. And <laughs> nobody can ever hold us accountable. So I, I did play in this showcase challenge, and going into it, basically everybody that I knew was trying to figure out a build of either Rhinos in order to beat the scam decks, or Hammer in order to be favored against scam. Ideally, I don't actually know who's favored in that matchup. I have seen like a lot of information pushing both ways um but also like pretty good against rhinos and like kind of as as just generally a strong deck in the format that if you don't actually have to uh worry about like four color then hammer makes more sense etc etc or if four color decks are running more furies and fewer solitudes to be better against scam but basically saw a lot of discussion from people that i know and are smart that they were like trying to figure out builds of hammer and rhinos and so i thought i will just do the next level of this which is you know what i want to do anyways at all times and just register living end the deck that i know how to play the best in the tournament i was pretty fine with my choice ended up playing against hammer once i played against rhinos three times uh the only unfortunate thing is that i went one two against rhinos which is not what you're supposed to do to capitalize on playing living and into a rhinos meta game i i I think that the choice was still pretty good i played against actually nick price round one of the tournament (laughs) and uh 
you know, sometimes you, you got to play the games. You don't just win because you're favored in the matchup. And so sometimes they don't go your way. That was Nick playing right as? Yes. You know, we ran into a lot of endurances and subtleties for my subtleties in that matchup. So it, it didn't go great. Yeah, not ever. No matchup's a free matchup. Magic no, is always magic. Not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was still a fun tournament to play and then to... You know, I, I streamed it and like watched coverage on stream in the in between rounds, which was a really nice way of, of spending the day. I I don't know. I had a great time. No, it's it's cool. It's a good way to spend the day. Do you, anything you want to say like about living and other than Rhino's matchups? Do you think it's good going forward or anything like that? Because there there were a few in this top thirty two. One got third at least. Yeah, like I think it was fine for this weekend, and I I think that it was a, a totally reasonable choice. I don't know if that's necessarily as true going forward. Like, it, it is very good against Rhinos. And so if Rhinos continues to see this amount of play as kind of the only deck that is consensus favored against Scam, I don't I don't know what other deck is, like, more than a 51% deck against Scam. So, you know. Does Living End have a plan for the Rhinos sideboard? Like, sometimes the Rhinos sideboard just plays Giant Magistrate and the sideboard's out all their cards that can cascade except for Dreadnought Magistrate, or they, they guarantee a cascade into Dreadnought Magistrate is what I'm trying to say. I've never had anyone do that to me, so until that actually happens to me, then I will continue to pretend that it can't hurt me. I still see it in deck lists. It's, it's out there. It exists. So my sideboard right now is really heavy on Furies, and so if I, I, I won't normally bring in a bunch of Furies against Rhinos, but if they turn out to be on that plan, then I would bring in a bunch of Furies in order to make that not kill me. Okay. I, I think that that plan is really vulnerable to this because, like, if they take out all of their Crashing Footfalls in order to turn all of their Cascade spells into their, you know, now instead of having access to as many 4-4s as they can Cascade into, they have to play a fair game against you and use their 1-3s to shut you down. But now you have a bunch of Furies, and so you're actually, like, okay at playing a fair game too, and if you kill their 1-3s and then, you know... You're the only one that can cascade at that point. So I think that it's like fine. And ideally you win game one, you lose game two to seeing their sideboard plan. And then you can pick up game three by having a better plan than they do. In theory, nobody's ever actually done it to me though. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Tron real quick. Cause that was one of the other decks that had a breakout performance as a pro tour. It's been several weeks since then. Yeah. Uh, and nowadays we see it barely any. Like straight up mono green Tron uh, of all the of all the challenges and showcases and paper tournaments this weekend, I think it got two top eights. Uh, one was in the showcase. It's the only mono green deck in the top thirty-two, uh, and the other one was just like a Saturday challenge. Uh, and elsewhere, it's like just absent. Like mm -hmm. the deck is is not being played. I mean, I think that it is not very good against scam. I think that it is worse against scam. If you change like anything from the handshake list, right, like that you, you're just losing more and more percentage points each time, like every dismember that you cut from the deck makes you worse in the matchup, that sort of thing. And I think that also I have seen so many crumble to dusts in sideboards that I, I think Tron just got like hated out of the metagame. Yeah, I've seen that as well. I think it's ridiculous because I don't know that. It doesn't seem that popular to warrant it. 
And most decks that can play Crumble of the Dust are going to be having a proactive plan anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're playing Jund or whatever, like Saga, yeah. sure, Crumble to Dust, whatever. But Scam does not need that card, and yet I do see it still. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it's mostly just been people overreacted to three cop, or maybe not even overreacted, but reacted to three copies of Tron in a Pro Tour Top 8 and said, I will not allow this to happen in my metagame. And it it's not happening in their metagame. It's uh, everyone's collective hatred of the Tron archetype. Yeah, it's just at work. <laughs> it's a real Captain Planet type situation, I'd say. Yeah, it's it's everyone from disparate backgrounds rising up against one common enemy. It's just, you love to see it. All right, what else are we gleaning from results in modern in general? I think that the main thing is be aware of Rakdos, be aware of Rhinos, and if you're playing Paper Magic, be aware of Four Color. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But there is no Omnath representation in this top 30 in the the showcase. Like, it's just not really present. Yeah, there's more Core Tapper representation than there is Omnath (laughs) Locus of Creation. Yep. And Am I, I saying Core Tapper is more powerful than Omnath? Yes. And I didn't play against Omnath <laughs> until I had two or three losses in the challenge. So yeah, it's 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 a rough time for our four color friends. I mean, but it'll come back around to it at some point, probably. Oh, oh, ponder or not ponder? Preordain. pre-ordain. Let's talk about preordain real quick. Yeah. Have you seen any effects of preordain other than people just kind of smashing it into decks at random? You know. There's the obligatory 5-0 burn with four preordains list. Well, so, I mean, in the showcase, like, uh, Andrea Pimonti got second place with Merktide. With surprise, four preordains is correct in Merktide. Like, well, hey, that was free. Wizards literally told you to play it in the ban list announcement. <laughs> I mean, but there was still discussion about it. And the number of people, like, trying to... <laughs> It's four preordains. Don't just play four preordains. Come on. It's correct. Andre is very good at Merktide and like like his choice is right and play your preordains in Merktide. The card is really good and does what that deck wants to do. Whether you want to be on Merktide, I don't know. I do think that, you know, it is probably another deck with a pretty good scam matchup, but that has closed a reasonable amount with Boatmasters. Like, yeah, it's a lot. Cl- I think it's 50-50 at best nowadays because <laughs> Bowmaster is very strong against that deck, especially when you're putting more preordains in it. Yeah. Like other cards that um, trigger Bowmaster. Yeah, I mean, the, the Mishra's Bauble preordain consider deck is like... The, yeah, there's... there's with, with Ledger Shredder, with Ledger there. Shredder. Yeah, main deck... Like, if you have a Ledger Shredder in play and your opponent has Bowmaster, they can play the Bowmaster, play another spell, and then hit something <laughs> with their Bowmaster. It's free. Yeah, you can't forget the ledger shredder trigger. It is not a May ability. No, that's very true. Yeah, interesting that he went back to like three main deck ledger shredders. I mean, you, you can't have all your cards died at Boremaster. Yeah, and six, right? I mean, but like, ledger shredder isn't very good against Bowmaster, so I don't know how much of a solution that's that true. is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of stayed out of the Merktide debate. It's not really my wheelhouse. I don't really have a horse in the race, but every time someone said like preordain was bad in it, I really just wanted to link the balanced announcement where they talked about how they are inventing preordain <laughs> for Merktide. Yeah, but everybody thinks they're so much smarter. 
and and like I don't necessarily think preordain makes Murktide significantly better, but it obviously is correct to play preordain in your Murktide deck, and it's very silly to assert otherwise. Right, and, and I will say, other than uh, Andrea, there's no Murktides really to be seen. It's yeah. it's a pet deck of many, but not a very successful one. And Right. It's only a successful deck in the hands of the handful of people who it is their pet deck, and they are extremely good Magic players. So Andrea or Max Kilmanowski or a handful of other people who can pull it off and when they get lucky enough on a weekend. Any other decks you want to talk about other than we've kind of gone over the established decks? Hammer Hammer won this showcase challenge. But that's kind of just a metagame call. There were no, there's not a surge of hammer decks. It's just the one hammer that won. Yeah, and I mean this hammer deck is built the way that like makes a lot of sense. You know, sanctify. Like one of the big benefits of hammer is that it's pretty good against scam, and also you get to play sanctifiers in your sideboard. And sanctifiers, it's the best card against scam that yeah <laughs> you can reasonably play. And, and hammer uses it really well because it's not just like a sanctifier okay now you can't scam me and i'll lock up the board and try to figure out a way it's like now there's a sanctifier you can't really kill it and also it will kill you at some point as soon as i figure out a way to equip it with something so you know pretty cohesive game plan there you have like the four solitudes in the sideboard for when you actually need removal spells and i think that's pretty nice and yeah i think hammer is like you can find spots for it i really like people upticking the amount of forge anew uh, that's one of the good grindy cards for Hammer mm-hmm. <laughs> while being a combo enabler. I, I just like that card a lot in this deck. It's impressed me a lot. Yeah, I also like the main deck Nettlesist. Um, oh, is that a, that's a normal thing, right? It, it's gone in and out, and it's mostly been out recently. But I think it is really important to have one if you're going to use this deck, like use this deck's Rakdos matchup to justify playing it. Like getting a nettle cyst with a stoneforge mystic so that they can't just like you know if all you can get are hammers or cauldras they can deal with that by killing your stoneforge mystic or interfering with your ability to equip something but nettle cyst is a thing that you can cast and it's like a 4-4 or a 5-5 or something that can keep being a threat as the game goes on and i think that's really important in fair games (sighs) and then all the goofy decks are just left you got food combo, Gorya's creativity. Yes, I'm calling it a goofy deck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Life gain, Wafo Tapo under mirror control. I think the only person who should be playing that deck personally, but yeah, know. I can't really. I mean, you know, that's if you really want to run preordain, that is a way to run preordain. But are there any preordains in this deck? <laughs> Wafo Tapo didn't play. Is any. he not playing preordain? Oh, no, absolutely not. I think you can definitely play, play preordain and i think it makes sense as a way to hit your fourth land drop and stuff yeah i agree with that but i'm also not going to disagree with wafotapa just on principle i mean the build that wafotapa plays is always the right build for wafotapa it might not be <laughs> the right build for you though everyone else needs the the hand holding of preordain yeah like, like the other Demir control deck in the, in the top in the he, top three too. He's got one main deck stern scolding, one sideboard shadow of doubt. Like these are not decisions that you can just like incorporate into your own deck. When do you, when do you bring in the shadow of doubt? Um, 
probably the same matchups where you bring in the one Thoughtseize that you have access to. (laughs) (laughs) One break the ice. That'll fix the Tron matchup, right? Uh, No comment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure these are part of a mapped out sideboarding plan that works for him but you need to figure out that sideboard mapping if you're gonna if you're gonna copy this <laughs> all right do you want to move on to spoilers the yes. fun stuff let's do it i'm immediately in okay so oh did you want to talk about prowess before yes yeah, so i you know i prowess didn't really have a particularly successful weekend but in I don't know how much of that is it not getting played very much because it hasn't been a big part of the metagame. I do think Preordain is like a huge upgrade for the deck. And that is something that's interesting to me, at least. So I'm trying it. I'm playing a little bit of prowess. I've, I've played two matches with it and uh, I don't know. But I think that there's something there and could be powerful, especially if the metagame gets very dedicated towards this like rhinos and ractos back and forth then you can just be doing something completely different which is like killing people and lava darting yeah i'm cool with that i really like the card underworld breach (laughs) yeah and right you get to run a couple of underworld breach that you just get spotted like two underworld breach for free so that's nice all right we can go on to eldraine the the cool stuff what's this card what's this set called wilds of eldraine wilds of eldraine it's got it all it's got food tokens adventures one planeswalker (laughs) (laughs) yes what do we want to start with well it's funny because the there's not a lot of cohesive stuff they've done we could just like kind of go over the mechanics and pick some cool cards for each yeah i'm down Uh, like like, so let's start with adventures i'm going to see if i can find the dragon i like but i can't find it it might be a leaked card we might talk about some leaked cards that are just packs that someone got a hold of and opened. So, How? And they're How does this there. keep happening? Um, maybe because Wizards prints thirty different product lines a year. Your camera's black, and <laughs> when they print that much stuff a year, the the quality control or the I don't know yeah. the control of the products probably not top notch. No, you lose track of things at some point, right? Especially since you're making so much of it. Uh, but adventures are back one of my favorite mechanics from eldraine previous mm-hmm. uh, i think it only left a bad taste in people's mouths because of the like lucky clover and the fact that they were so good they were in every deck and no other cards could really compete with them <laughs> bone crusher giant was a pretty messed up card to put into standard i actually think love struck beast was a lot more problematic than bone crusher giant just because of the sizing of that creature was sure but the combination of the two in particular made like attacking with creatures impossible so right so hopefully they've learned their lesson uh adventure just works straight up like it used to uh it's not on only creatures now it's on all sorts of stuff which we've seen before in like some dnd sets Mm -hmm. but notably it's not only multicolored cards so there's a decadent dragon which has a, it's just like a four mana four four dragon but the it has an adventure that costs two and a black so it's a mono red card and a mono black card smashed together if you want to adventure it you're gonna have to have red if you want to play the dragon yeah 
Uh, and the adventure is to be instant, exile the top two cards of target opponent's library face down, and you can look at and play them for as long as they've been exiled. Notably, you cannot cheat their mana colors mm-hmm. like you could with Gaunti. So you have to either be playing the same car- colors as your opponent or have treasure tokens or something that can make mana. And the dragon, obviously, it's a 4-4 flying trampler that whenever it, it attacks, you make a treasure token. So that allows you to play the cards you've exiled. Uh, it's also cool. You know, this I like this card a lot because it's a dragon that is also a card draw engine. I don't know how good that is, but Red Black has a good track record of being the best deck in a few formats. <laughs> yeah, I do like that you have to jump through some hoops with this. Like, because you can't pay mana of any color to cast their spells, if you, like, hit spells that are just not your colors, then you need to figure out a way to, like, attack with this 4-mana 4-4 dragon, which they're probably going to try to stop, or you know, make treasure tokens or something. Otherwise, you don't have Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Standard to do that with anymore. So got to get a little bit more creative. But also, if you just like hit two of their lands with it, then that's, you know, you just get lands for free. Yeah, that's actually probably fine, right? Yeah. The the, be- the weird case being like you get land spell and the land helps you cast their spell. That's pretty cool. That's really nice when it works out like that. But, you know, a lot of times like the... I, I don't know, like cards like this, you often you're hoping to hit lands with any like early card drawing. You want to hit lands so you can keep casting right. your spells throughout the game. So that's kind of what you're hoping to hit from your opponent regardless. <laughs> like any time I'm casting a divination and I do classify this card as a divination, the adventure part, because uh, you're just drawing two cards. Mm-hmm. I, I want to draw a land off my divination because any deck that wants to play a divination is going to want to play more lands, right. like a land every turn. Or you much. wouldn't have put the divination in your deck because divination tends to draw a land and a spell. Like, Right. So I'm I'm glad this card allows you to play lands off it. If it didn't, I think it would be significantly worse. The dragon itself is fine. Like, 4-4 four, four flyers are not what they used to be in a long time ago no. like we just kind of look past them nowadays but this being attached to another card that gives you uh card advantage and this card gives you a little bit of mana mm-hmm. that that's a pretty good package i think and i like this card a lot yeah i like it too i don't think it's like super powerful or anything but it, you know it could certainly have a place in a good deck in standard I think it's going to be a good a good player in standard and also standard rcq season is coming up mm-hmm. and Though I'm unexcited about playing with any of the current standard format uh, standard sets, I am really looking forward to a lot of the uh, Eldraine cards because Eldraine is the last time I actually got to play paper standard. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed playing the adventures there, and there's a lot of other cool, cute little adventure cards that they're printing. Uh, they were spoiled one today. That's a it's a five minute enchantment that is Panharmonicon. Like it's <laughs> got the Panharmonicon text. It's a blue enchantment. Uh, and the adventure side is just one in a blue instant copy and activated or triggered ability you control and you can choose new targets for it. So it it does a little panharmonicon before you have the, the mana to devote to the big one. Yeah, it's cute. I don't know if panharmonicon, especially with a colored mana added to it, is like a thing that you ever get to cast in, in Constructed, but panharmonicon is... It's a fan favorite. It's a cool card, yeah. It's it's no you know panharmonicon that just does it all for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Elishnorn does a lot. That that card is very powerful in the contexts where it is good. There's a reason that it gets played in four color in modern, like as a five mana creature. All right, I want to talk about 
uh, another part of you know what Eldraine is going to look like, and that is the enemy colored creature lands. So in this set, there is the, the set of duels in this set to round out like what is being added to standard now. Yeah, is just a set of come into play tapped enemy colored duels that can become creatures and have it. They all have attack triggers. Think of like you know needle spires, shambling vents, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but Eldraine versions. So Restless Fortress, we've got two officially spoiled and three unofficially spoiled. <laughs> I'll start with like some of the real ones. Uh, Restless Fortress is the white black one. You can pay four mana to make it become a one four white and black nightmare creature. Uh, and when it attacks, defending player loses two life and gains two life. So it's got that, you know, plus or minus shambling that aspect to it. It, sure. it still does the lifelink, lifelink thing. Uh, it It's a lot less susceptible to just being run over by a three power creature and trading your land away. But it doesn't work on defense. All of these cards do not work particularly well as creature lands on defense. Yeah. Because they all have attack triggers. Like the green black one is a 4-4. Four, four, for four mana that makes a food token and exiles a card in a graveyard when you attack the blue red one is a two one first strike a creature with only on attacking only attacking first strike a creature <laughs> it does not have first strike on block uh, and when it attacks you scry one the white red one is a two two that you can put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature which includes itself yeah you can put a counter on itself that one's only three to activate uh, and the blue-green one is 5 mana to make a 5-5 five, five Trampler that when it attacks, you can have another creature become a base power and toughness 3-3 three, three until end of turn. It makes this thing, like, basically impossible to block because, I mean, how often do you have two creatures in play in standard? Like, if you have a creature in play, no matter how big it is, it can't really it can't block this 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, the weird part about the blue-green one is that <laughs> blue-green decks are never really about creature combat straight up mm-hmm. like every time i've ever played lumbering falls it's been in some deck that activates lumbering falls extremely rarely <laughs> when you have nothing else to do it's... and to be fair this is better than lumbering fall in that situation because mm-hmm. you are getting you know you're, you're getting across for five damage yeah or two damage if they have a creature and they want to block with it yeah lumbering falls more of a you know this is technically my win condition in my nexus of fate deck or whatever than than anything else yeah i played it in the part the water veil deck right that i recall yeah 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 which i mean it was a lot better then because you could activate it and then you get power and toughness from the counters too so Mm. (laughs) like that's extra synergy it is a pretty impressive creature land once you start activating it that's a lot of damage yeah, the, the standouts to me are the red ones, uh, both the white and the blue mm-hmm. red. Because the, the blue red one's super cheap. It's only two to activate. You can sneak in and attack pretty easily with it, and it gives you like a pretty good return in a scry one. Yeah. Because uh, it's hard to block a 2-1 with first strike if, you can, if you're willing to fire up a creature land. Uh, and the red-white one I just like because Needle Spires really sucked, and this one does something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That It's just nice to get a needle spires that isn't terrible oh there's also a, a land well i i moved away from adventures but there's also a uh edge wall in which you know you might recognize from edge wall innkeeper mm. uh, it's a land that this is in german but it, it comes into play tapped and enters the battlefield you pick a color it taps for the chosen color and you can pay three and sacrifice it to return an adventure from your graveyard to your hand so it does the edge wall innkeeper 
mostly a limited card, but it's neat. Yeah, that is pretty cool. If if there's some like, I I guess it would more. If there's be a, a lucky that, clover again. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think that we're getting that. If there's a deck that mostly needs a like, temple of the dragon, whatever type land that you get to choose the color when it comes into play, which we usually don't want something like that but and have and happens to have like a decent number of adventure cards in it then it could be pretty cool you know it's just a bonus ability on a land that's kind of nice yeah i i, I mean they're they are seeding the the teamer adventure decks mm-hmm. mark two because they spoiled a legendary creature that's like teamer just straight up three mana teamer like savage knuckle blade as a four four trampler that makes uh, it <laughs> permanents that have an adventure cost one less and it has an adventure side that costs five mana, and you mill seven cards, and you put all adventures milled into your hand. Yeah. So it is really do it is really doubling down into what the old adventure deck was, which was just a million card advantage, <laughs> over and over again. Yes, but it is a lot more. You know, the problem with it's the old higher adventure up the deck, curve, right? Is that your value stuff started at the bottom of the curve, and then you just got to like do things and get value as the game went on. This is you got to do things and then you resolve your expensive thing. And, and you know, that's a better experience than like yeah. innkeeper into lucky clover was who, oh boy, pretty messed up. And then they banned lucky clover and, and what edge keeper was still, just, oh, yeah, because like you just can't trade favorably. Like the best you can possibly do is have a one mana removal spell the turn that that it comes into play you trade evenly on cards and mana and if that doesn't happen then you're probably getting buried it was very clear that card was messed up in standard because people kept trying to play golgari adventures which was a like categorically worse deck than any of like green red green blue or teamer adventures could ever be mm-hmm. because you're giving up brazen borrower or bone, bone crusher giant yeah and you're just playing the black adventure cards would sucked your mana was terrible and the deck won a reason all the games amount. i ever saw it yeah because you just went edge vault and keeper on turn one and just drew some cards and yep. you kept going and it was great yeah i mean the draw to the green black was like you could kind of play more adventure creatures even though they were like kind of bad but you could play like a lot of them which is good with edge wall innkeeper I did enjoy the people played like the seven mana mind rot adventure creature. Yeah. Uh, as like a one or a two of. <laughs> just to really dig down in the I can play bad adventure creatures as long as they give me card advantage. <laughs> yeah. That was never quite the the build that you wanted to be in, I don't believe. No, but people did play it for a little bit, I remember distinctly. <laughs> that card is Baluna Grand Squall. Just Yeah, the teamer card. For completeness. No, no, yeah, the new card. All right, what do you want to focus on in many, all of Eldraine's wonders? I mean, I, I don't know. Probably going to end up talking about some, like, leaked cards or whatever here by accident. Because I don't think all of the officially spoiled ones are on Scryfall. So I'm, na- I'm now on yeah. Mythic Spoiler looking at cards. I guess the main thing, like, one thing that we should talk about is Beseech the Mirror. Because that's gotten quite a bit of attention. That has been officially spoiled. Yes. But it doesn't matter for this podcast anymore. Yeah. We're no longer going to draw a distinction. So this is one and three black for a sorcery. It has bargain, which is like the kicker of this set. You get an extra effect if you sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or a token as you cast this spell. And so this is a diabolic tutor. So it's, you know, four mana, search your library for a card. 
and you get it into your hand if you didn't bargain. If you did bargain and it costs four or less, you get to just cast it. So it's like a for free. Yeah, for free. So it's it's a bring to light for four or less if you had a something to sacrifice to it. Artifact, enchantment or a token as you cast it. Why are you excited about this? Tell me. Well, it's gotten a lot of attention. I don't know how excited I am about this. I think that a lot of its applications are like kind of irrelevant to me because it's like one of the places where it's easiest to bargain is vintage. And you know, yes. this gives you like really easy access to a lot more of your card. Like you get more of your restricted cards in vintage. Like you get you can play a lot of these and have like effectively a bunch of tinkers in your deck and that's kind of, i mean you need two artifacts to sacrifice that you know this is a double cost tinker for an extra mana i don't know how good that is but if you're very good at tinkering then you become very good at getting your uh citadel or whatever it also is probably pretty good with like doomsday in vintage is it good with doomsday in legacy probably not it's a lot harder to have an artifact enchantment or token in legacy but i think it's very good in non-doomsday storm in legacy sure i can Uh, see that you have a lot of you know moxes and lotus petals and stuff like that to sacrifice yeah, and the joke is you get the card you get is not Past in Flames, it is Gaia's Will, Gaia's Will, mm. which is the suspend card. Uh that's Yagwan's Will. It's just Yagwan's Will. Gotcha. So you can set it up where you sacrifice away a zero to bargain, like a, a lotus petal or whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or you could play Vault of Whispers, which is also an artifact that casts Dark Ritual. <laughs> Uh, you can just play out like that's your true. Rituals, playing artifact your lands does make it a lot easier to to do this. Yeah, that that that's a good point. You can play your your lions eye diamonds, your lotuses, your tutors, your whatever. The in the chain with the uh, beseech the mirror, tutor up a Gaia's will, cast the will. All your cards have flashback essentially. Mm-hmm. Play all your things back from the graveyard. Uh, you can play beseech the mirror again and grab tendrils and kill them. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a very that's a very clean storm kill that is and i wonder if i mean we don't have guys will in modern but i wonder if there are... you do have guys will in modern, wait we actually. do have guys will okay well it's we a don't spend have guard we don't have fast mana in modern but or artifact lands yeah so probably a lot <laughs> or lion's eye diamond anything in particular like that in modern um i assume guys will was from a commander set but i guess it's from a modern horizons it is in the Modern Horizon cycle that gave us Glimpse of Tomorrow. Okay, sure. The Bribery one, the one that's Replenish. Uh, what was the black one in that cycle? Can't remember. Probably not important. Yeah. So, you know, tougher to use in Modern because they have gotten rid of all of our fast mana. But could be something. Oh, Profane Tutor is the black one from that cycle. It just doesn't quite feel like the other ones because the other ones like do gigantic destructive things to the game when they resolve and the other one is cool and playable yeah (laughs) uh for like non-broken like legacy and vintage stuff i think this is a little tougher you know it's it's a tougher sell to me in like standard even if we have a decent amount of just like random token generation because if you're heavy black you only have access to so many effects that you could tutor up with this. And if you're not heavy black, then how are we paying this triple black 
casting cost of a spell we probably want to cast on turn four. But I, mean, I think the smaller the format is, the worse this card gets. And the bigger it is, the more like busted stuff you can do with it. And I feel like I'm not interested in it for non-busted purposes. You notably cannot cast Tybalt Cosmic Impersonator with this card. Right. Because it only allows you to cast the spell for free if the spell you're casting has uh, four or less mana value. So even though you can grab Valky, you can't cast Tybalt for free. Because it's not worded like um, Bring to Light. Turtle, I don't think this is great in every deck in Pioneer with Fable. I think that's just like pretty clearly not the case. Like You just don't cast that many four mana spells in Pioneer. You also just don't need cards to be only good with Fable to be played in your deck. Like, Fable is good enough. You'd yeah. rather play cards that are good on their own when you don't have Fable. Yeah. Or when you need to use the treasure token for other stuff. Like, I don't really want to sacrifice my Fable with the Mirror Breaker to bargain away, really, anytime soon. You can just turn your Fable into it. If they killed your Goblin, you can reset your Fable into... And you get you get another Goblin. I don't know right. if that's worth one black, black, black in a card to do, though. It can tutor for like the ring i guess so i'm really off you can also just like play a lot of cards to get your ring from the sideboard for like however many rings you want in any particular deck yeah the well yeah karn doesn't cast the ring right away and this card does so the only deck that would feasibly do that would be like a covers deck right yeah and which i'm over so we're pretty over <laughs> it did do well in one of the paper tournaments this weekend didn't it win the the mxg or whatever mxp something like that well i don't know what the letters are at this point uh it top aided but it lost to Rakdos in the quarters oh she can't even be Rakdos. come on he had a really good run I, he like crushed the swiss with it but uh and it, it was a non-coffers deck it was like the grief version but i don't actually understand how that deck like beats anything except for Rakdos so you know there's there's a lot of discussion to be had about whether you ever want to do any sort of mono black stuff in modern yeah I I I don't I like Beseech the Mirror uh when that you're playing Vintage or Legacy I think it's a reasonable thing because you get a bunch of fast mana you can cast it pretty easily and you're using it yeah to good effect yeah uh in modern I think you really have to break it somehow like, if someone can figure out a Replenish deck with the white Suspend card and this one, I'm game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that replaces. Sacrifice just... some some sort of value enchantment, bring it back. Because the, the real problem with the Replenish Suspend card, Replenish is a very strong effect. Like, it brings all your enchantments back from graveyard to play. Mm -hmm. uh, the only way we have to cast Suspend cards right now is through Cascading. And all, most of the cards you want to put in your deck to fill your graveyard up costs less than three mana. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you can do some deck building with, um, I can't remember what the replenish suspend card is called. I'm just gonna keep calling it replenish. You can keep you can do some deck buildings with like replenish and besiege the mirror. Uh, that I'm interested in. Like there's maybe an angle there. You can try around try to mess around with it. But if you're just like tutoring for the ring or another four drop or shieldred or whatever, that is just not interesting to me. Yeah, and I mean it's only like pretty marginal if it is doing that. Also, where are you getting the thing to sacrifice for in, in any of these decks? Like, the, the black deck, like, has a relic in play sometimes, but is that good to do? That doesn't seem very good to me. It's a cool card. I do not love it. Yeah, in, in modern, yeah. In older formats, I think it's pretty clear that you can do some busted stuff with it, so. 
Oh, so let me tell you a story before I introduce this next card. Okay. So I was playing I was playing Modern last Thursday. In Durham at Atomic. Played my weird mutate deck. Uh, which is medium, but fun. I defeated Nick Trillo, Mr. Bob and Cheese. He had an undefeated Thursday night magic run for months, which <laughs> was brought to an end by Vadrock, Apox of Thunder. <laughs> Shout out to Nick. Uh, and it's discussion among our, our our players were like, all right, after I beat Amulet, I think, was, okay, we really need a four mana Primeval Titan. And here's what the card should do. You know, four mana, three, three is Primeval Titan. That's fair, right? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. And that is the that is the conversation I thought of when I saw Blossoming Tortoise. Yeah. Well, baby so, primeval titan kind of yeah. sort of a little bit. <laughs> Blossoming Tortoise is a 2GG33 turtle. Not a tortoise, it's a turtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you mill three cards and return any land from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Uh, it allows activated abilities of lands you control to cost one less to activate, and land creatures you control get <laughs> plus one, plus one. The classic Sylvan Advocate, I think its name is, that, that text. Yeah, that one was plus two, plus two, right? Yeah, but you had to, like, six lands in play. Well, you know? I mean, how many lands do you usually have in play when you're activating a creature land like that's you know is it mutavolt it's not because wasping turtle does make mutavolt zero to activate wow very cool also like, those is only keeps one bringing it back from the graveyard if as as the if it dies it well it is only a three three so mm-hmm. i have if it if mutavolt is dying in combat i don't think the tortoise is getting the mutavolt back more than once i mean this if the numbers were just a little bit different in some way i could see this as like ooh this is an option for mono green and pioneer but i think being four mana being just a 3/3 three, three, like not like having to hit the card the land off of like three cards or already in your graveyard somehow it's just not very reliable at like digging you towards nickthos um it's probably like worth looking at but I don't have a lot of like hopes for it. I, I think it's just like a little short. Yeah, I think it's a neat card. Basically, I, I like the the design. It's a mythic, which is wild. Like, there's not very many mythics in these sets, and the white one is just sh- like sh- straight up uh, greater of behemoth. And this, the green one, is like a cute little three three. Yes, it is. Yeah, this is a very weird mythic. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's like this card's better than you guys think, but eh, this this seems like one that's probably not really going to do much in constructive formats. Probably like a really good commander card. Yeah, eh, maybe. It is very small. It does get a fetch land back, like worst case, and you know, is is sort of like filling a <laughs> fetch sol- fetch lands in commander. Watsi doesn't give us any of those. We're playing with like oh Game yeah in, trail in the Sungrass Prairie. Right, right, right. You have to add your own fetch lands to the pre-constructed decks. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this does very much in constructed ultimately, but it is like close enough to be worth a look in in a few different rampy decks, probably. Yeah, it's fine. I do you want to talk about all of the 
roles the enchantment tokens and stuff because that is a major mechanic in this theme but i don't think i've seen any cards that like wow me about them yeah i i don't think we need to talk about yeah like there there's a mechanic that creates aura tokens or tokens see that that's yeah that interests me a lot more than the yeah the fact that the tokens have abilities or whatever right because it if there is a good enough bargain card, there's just a, a one drop in a set that's like black three two. When it enters the battlefield, you enchant an aura token to it that makes it a one one. Mm. So it's a, a black mana one one that also comes with an aura token. So if you you know in this theoretical world where you're beseeching the mirror for a fair card, uh, that is a good way to set it up in just straight up black. You you have a one one. You sacrifice the token away. You beseech for whatever, and now you have a three two. Yeah yeah. Like, so. It, I'm interested in the mechanic for that aspect. Like if we can just get fodder artificially to power up any strong bargain cards that they reveal that I'm kind of in for that. Yeah. And anything that is a one mana, one power creature that like creates another piece of game object, another game object, like is something, you know, this one creates a game object. That's not, really useful at all on its own and also isn't separate from it so it's different from thraben inspector or voldaren epicure which leave you value no matter what happens but if you can use it for multiple things and that that's a lot of value for a one one for sure i'm i'm just really excited there's also food returning in a set mm-hmm. uh did you see sir ginger i need to find her i did i like while i do i i do think this card is is cool and cute I do kind of think that they've maybe oversaturated the market with the joke of like, here's a gingerbread, gingerbread man people. card. Like, I don't need them to be like a whole tribe, right? Like having Gingerbrute in Eldraine was fantastic. Having a Gingerbrute successor in this one is fantastic. And then having more just feels like it, it's a little too like, hey, look at this. It's more cookie guys instead of it just being like... so. I am heavily pro cookie tribe mm-hmm. because I've recently lost my favorite artifact creature tribe, the mirror. Their plan just doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so I'm really into. I'm really invested in the new cookie tribe, and I need it to be bountiful. Uh, I also like Sir Ginger a lot because she's the cookie from the cinematic, where mm-hmm. you know, Garrick eats one of them and yeah. she's left. And it's good that we get some like resolution to her story. Yeah, the card is neat. Um, not great for formats I anticipate playing. Uh, it's just a two mana three one legendary food knight uh, artifact creature. Of course, it has trample, hexproof, and haste. As long as an opponent controls a planeswalker, so it's like a call out to you know she hates Garrick. And uh, is only a three one. Cannot get rid and sixed because of that ability. <laughs> And whatever other artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you put a plus one counter on her and scribe one. And she has the food ability, like, amped up. If you sacrifice her, instead of just gaining three, you gain life equal to her power. Yeah, so I guess, like, kind of great against four color and kind of like, like, hey, why don't you try playing me with, like, Hardened Scales and Arcbound Ravager? I don't know if I see it, but it is. it will be funny if she, anytime like she kills a ren and six or it's a fairy yeah it's funny it's hilarious well she doesn't really kill ren and six that well because she ren and six does start at four yeah but ren and six can't kill her back so you know 
and she's yeah, and it's not just like when they play when you kill the first Ren and six and they play another one they still can't kill her right because she's still sx proof now <laughs> i i did think about hardened scales with this card initially but other than ravager it's really hard to put artifacts in your graveyard and you don't put that many and usually when you're ravaging like you have plenty of ways to like yeah ravager does not need to be better right and are we gonna play like one sir ginger instead of a patrick automaton patrick automaton is also pretty much immune to rin and six and teferi it's very hard to bounce that card but in standard if any planeswalkers are good this is like a way that any deck can like fix its planeswalker weakness a little bit yeah it's a very cute card uh, I don't. I like her a lot more than Tough Cookie, which is the other the food card. I think we talked about it earlier. Though Tough Cookie's cool. It's one G two two, artifact food golem, uh, makes a food when it enters the battlefield in addition to it being a food. So it's two card pieces of cardboard in one card, which is important. Uh, and it can. It's got the food ability. You know, two tap sack it. You gain three, and then you can pay two and a green to make a non art non creature artifact you control a four four artifact creature until end of turn. I wish it gave that. Also, the food ability. I don't really know how that would work, but I, I want it to be the case. Yeah, you're already like supposed to be using this on food tokens, so you know, it, like it's it's less that it's turning anything into food and more that it's turning food into golems. Like, I don't know. I I kind of like this. I, I, you know, its power level isn't high enough for other formats, but in standard, like. A two mana two two that gives you another piece of cardboard or not maybe I don't know if food counts as cardboard, but gives you another resource and then can threaten potentially just like a lot of damage. Like it's fine to draw this two drop later on in the game, early in the game. Like you're probably not playing this unless you have some amount of food synergies, but it also just gives you two foods for anything that like requires a critical mass of food to function. Yeah, I really want to try this in the Samwise decks in Modern. Mm. Uh, because those decks have a lot of low-power level cards anyway, so you can just like take one of those out and put some tough cookies in, try them out. Uh, it does trigger your Samwises. You can sacrifice the tough cookie itself and the food it makes to Samwise, uh, and it kind of fits your curve of having like nothing to do with two mana <laughs> other than play Sam. Yeah... I don't know if that deck can bear another, like, individually bad, you know? Like, I like Tough Cookie. It's obviously not the power level of a modern card. And, I I mean, I guess... if we're gonna... Look, if we're gonna play a Academy Manufacturer, it's not a bad idea to just put some more food-creating cards into your deck. That's not untrue. Yeah, you would play 8 to 12 Gilded Geese in that deck if you could. Yeah, Gilded Geese is by far the best card in that deck. Yeah. All right, what, what else you got? What what catches your eye in the, well, the Wild Spill Train? Horned Lockwell seems certainly not as egregious as, like, Lovestruck Beast or Bonecrusher Giant, but it does have kind of a taste of the same thing. So this is uh, an adventure creature for blue blue for a 6-6 flash ward 2. It enters the battlefield tapped unless it's your turn. And its adventure is Lagoon Breach, which is one in a blue for an instant. The owner of target attacking creature you don't control puts it on the top or bottom of their library. So, you know, it's it's a little restrictive, that removal-ish spell, but it does buy you some time and then draws you a six mana, six, six flash, not 
a six mana six six flash that can come in and surprise something but if it's on an adventure nobody's like getting surprised by it anyways so you can you know just cast it on your turn uh and i don't know kind of a split card where it is a thing that lets you fill in my, your need for a two mana removal spell but it's also not just a removal spell in matchups where removal spells are bad and that's enough that's like you know kind of cool it's like a big flash creature that they have to counter or answer somehow in the matchups where you didn't want your two mana removal spell you know that flexibility is pretty nice no i like this card i think it will be a fine tool especially for standard yeah like i i think this will be a, a a good a big deal in standard standard right now is heavily dominated by demir and i think some of that is just people are not playing the format and do not bother to innovate or anything like that. Yeah. But someone did post their tournament uh, this past weekend. They played six, they played um, Demir and then they played six rounds of Demir mirrors. <laughs> yeah. That's problematic and hopefully not going to last. Yeah. Keep in mind when we get to standard rotation, nothing rotates. We're just adding a new set to the format. I do think that a combination of new cards and also people actually trying in the format will, should yeah, will make change a, a lot. It, it worked a lot. It worked really well for Pioneer, and the one time standard was our it was in the spotlight because uh, initially that was all heavily dominated by just Grix's mid range. Right, there just seemed to be no other deck, mm -hmm. uh, and then when people were forced to play standard for the RCs, it evolved. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure we'll get that again. I think one of the last cards I want to talk about, uh, unless you've got a bunch you want more you want to talk about, eh. is sleight of sleight of hand. Yeah, sleight of hand. So this is a reprint. I'm not going to read about what it does. It's a cantrip, <laughs> a good cantrip. Yeah, standard and pioneer legal now, and I think that matters a lot for both of them. I don't know what standard deck is going to like. It, it may just be like, yeah, this is a good enough cantrip that you just straight up play it without like particular synergies in your standard blue deck that wants to make land drops and also like churn a little bit. Um, but, you know, it and in Pioneer, there are certainly trade offs, but it's probably mostly better than opt. Yeah, I, I think it's mostly better than like one of the random uh, cantrips you can play in Pioneer. You can also just like play it in places you couldn't before. Like Lotus Field has always played four Impulse since that card is printed. Played four Shimmer possibility before. And some people have played like two Shimmers. Some people have cut them for other cards. But if you wanted to, you could just like play Sleight of Hands and Impulses. Yeah. Uh, just to dig for your Lotus Fields more. You can also play 12 Cantrips in Pioneer if you really want to now. Yeah, if you're a young Pyromancer Fiend. Yeah. And, I, and uh, Third Path Iconoclast Fanatic. Yeah, just make a deck that does exactly one thing and all of its cards do that thing. Yeah, I mean, Ledger Shredder is still in standard, so you can shred some ledgers. Yeah, I don't think this will see much standard play, though it does get around Shieldred, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Your opponent's Shieldred, it's less cool for your Shieldred. <laughs> yeah. But if you have anything that triggers off spells being cast and they love printing those cards... I think sleight of hand stock goes way up because it is one of those cards that, uh, like opt. I remember I'm now remembering the Phoenix discourse from years ago, like when Phoenix was had faithful sitting in it, and people were arguing whether opt or sleight of hand was better. Mm -hmm. 
this is the memories I'm coming to. <laughs> and the, 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 the general consensus from what I recall was that sleight of hand is a better card selection card, but opt is generally better because you don't have to play it during your main phase. Uh, you can just wait and see what your opponent does, which is more important and modern than not, and then just go. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're even comparable, uh, sleight of hand does see more cards up front, which is better. Yeah. Uh, so if you're digging for individual cards, I don't think it's good enough for standard. Cards just punch two above their weight class right now. But if you find a you know combo deck in standard, like if you're CFT sock and you've found another blade of shared souls contraption. Or if you've got Ledger Shredder stuff going, I think it, it's a good addition there. I think it's pretty likely that a sleight of hand Ledger Shredder deck exists in standard. That that seems like... I, I obviously, you need to find stuff to fill it in with, but that seems like too powerful to ignore. Kind of along those lines, but completely the wrong colors to actually make this work with is Questing Druid. So this is... So, so it's the adventure part is one in a red for Exile the top two cards of your library until your next end step, you may play those cards. So not quite a reckless impulse. It's, uh, you know, uh, significantly worse. You can't just cast it on your turn and then your next turn you cast the spells, but it is an instant. So kind of can work the same way a little bit, depending on like how your deck is built and stuff. It is worse than a reckless impulse, but it has yeah, comes with a creature. <laughs> and also it, it comes with a creature and the creature is just Corian Dryad. It's one and a green for a one one. Whenever you cast a spell that's white, blue, black, or red, put a plus one plus one counter on Questing Druid. Very weird text that I didn't really think we would ever see again. Especially in Aldrain, right? Which was the last time we went there. The keyword or the like ability word was if you spent three colors of the same mana to cast this card. Yeah. <laughs> now all of a sudden we care about not a green. But this thing is like, you know. Coriandriad is a very, very old card, but now it's Coriandriad plus a whole spell that you get. Um, that's that's kind of neat. And any cantripping, it, like if we're cantripping and ledger shredding in standard, hard to be three colors. But this is kind of kind of sweet with that. I, I kind of have to see how this ends up. I think this might be an adventures deck plant if that exists. Because it does trigger off itself and most other adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's huge and cheap. Yeah. Digs you towards your synergy stuff in the adventure deck. If it exists like it did last time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Adventures has a good baseline of being able to be a core of a deck because they're always two for ones. Yeah. Like that's just baked into the mechanic. Yeah, the problem with the adventure deck is you didn't need cards to make your two for ones better cards that wasn't a necessary addition like i needed my two for ones to be three for ones sometimes four for ones maybe five for ones like a brazen borrower bone crusher giant and lovestruck beast all saw plenty of play in decks without adventure synergies in them because they were just good enough so <laughs> it was pretty cool though when you like your fey of wishes deck mm. just cast fey of wishes to draw a card <laughs> i i mean listen i love fey of wishes if it took the adventure deck to allow us to play fey of wishes like it was a very satisfying card to play in the adventure deck that's for sure i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of Eldraine has to offer because we have you know several cards but they saved a lot of them there's also an entire sheet of reprints that are all enchantments 
Uh, they're not relevant for standard. They are relevant for draft. They are relevant for draft and just reprint equity. Like there's a really, and they've got the uh, um, Strixhaven Mystical Archive thing going on where there's English versions and then Japanese versions with anime art mm. or Japanese artists. I guess they're not all categorically right. anime, but many are. Uh, like, well, interestingly, I think the most interesting card from this batch so far is Bitter Blossom. <laughs> Bitter Blossom is a card you're going to have to play against in Eldraine Draft occasionally. Yeah, true. Uh, and they said on stream this is the last time they're going to use the tribal word on a card. Hmm. Like they, they are going to have this mechanic come back, but it will be called something different. Gotcha. I wonder if they'll, if they're planning on erratic or something like that, because like do we just never get I, I mean not that there are very many tribal cards that are relevant it's literally like bitter blossom and sometimes tar fire and there's enough tar fires whoa to whoa whoa around. all is dust ccr that's true are there enough all is <laughs> dust to go around no they're really not <laughs> i don't know they, they could have it we'll just kind of have to see I don't know if this is going to be a long-term thing. Like, are we waiting until Lorwyn to see the next evolution of this, or is it going to be like a more immediate? Yeah. Because hmm. they didn't. They didn't say. The only thing they said was this is the last time we're seeing the word tribal on a magic card. So they also pre-banned some of these reprinted enchantments on in, in <laughs> historic on Arena. Uh, so like you know you can't play Necropotence in historic. You can't play Spreading Seas in Historic either. That one is pre-banned. Too powerful. I will say Patrick Sullivan did have a tweet about that that I think is a reasonable take. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, but it's basically like he said something to the tune of, yeah, Spreading Seas is not as powerful as Necropotence or anything like that. It's just that when you're putting a card into a format like why like what do you expect it to be played with and i think the game he thinks the game experience of spreading seas especially on the play uh is just not going to be that desirable and i think that's reasonable even I, if i don't really think it would do anything i don't disagree with that but also like histo historic is not a curated format and it like they haven't applied that level of like thoughtful consideration to the other cards in the format like it historic is just a pile of magic cards like it, the format is currently defined by bowmasters and the one ring so someone asked me because i was i was playing with a deck at one of the locals and someone asked me is that deck just completely legal and historic and i looked at them and i said i have no way of knowing that it is definitely not but maybe it will be once we have cons of tarkir and fetch lands <laughs> I, there's just like no shot i would have that information that's that's true but i think that it's probably closer than anyone might think like is eladomri's call an historic i i have i could not tell Ooh, you that one well no there's like that could easily have been in like a jump start or something right yeah and it's cards like that it's just like generic enough and very easy to program in that it's just I don't know, maybe just that, that's up to you to decide. It is not currently legal in historic. So we're a little, a little ways off from being able to play CFT sock mutate in historic, even once we have the fetch lands. I mean, just that version of it. You can still do double major Vadrock or the classic gold span dragon Vadrock. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, there's a lot of CFT, CFT sock VJ decks out there. That's true. You just have to believe hard <laughs> enough. Well, anything else you want to talk about, or should we get going? Nah, let's get going. I'm hungry now. Yeah. I have not eaten dinner. I will let you and go. And you got then. to eat during the podcast. I know. I, I got food delivered to me. It was amazing. Yeah. I don't I don't have that level of service. <laughs> I only have that service, like, one or two days a week. I make dinner the other days, so. Yeah. Okay. So this is your, your service day. Yes. <laughs> all right thanks everybody for listening we really really appreciate y'all's time chat thank you for hanging out this podcast recording is streamed live tuesday evenings on twitch.tv slash ccr underscore grindcast i also stream a couple other days a week so you know if if this podcast isn't enough ccr for you you there's more out there sadly it will have to be enough leave for you because i do not stream and the, the most you can find me elsewhere is just like tweeting random stuff that i like on twitter yeah but that's pretty good well and you will we'll get you on the stream to do some stuff sometime we, we do have to do that um unhinged ban banless ban <laughs> show at some point so put it on the bucket list yep it's there we'll do it thanks everybody have a great week bye